Good morning. I would like to indulge your attention for a few thoughts on considerations on practice. You are all here because you are seasoned meditators and as uh, I trust as you seasoned meditators have come to to learn um, practicing meditation has its challenges. Um, I think one of the challenges is continuity of attention. We all know that, that the mind has a definite tendency to seek variety, contrast, uh, more than the continuity of the experience of an object. Another challenge may be how much to do and how much to simply allow and trust will arise in its natural order. And maybe a third challenge is how to orient within one's own habits. In an ideal world we would have clear tools, a clear workbench, clear experimental orders, a clear object of investigation. In the real world of contemplative living, the very tool that tries to understand the nature of experience is also the object of that investigation. So if the tool is already set in perceptions and in modes of understanding, it's very difficult to get a perspective on that very mind that tries to understand its own mechanics. So orientation, what actually happens, orientation in how I relate to experience, um, what my mode of engaging with the object of my the objects of my experiences is um is a skill I would say is an art. I would like to share with you a little nugget of uh, which I believe to be pithy advice uh, straight out of the teachings of the Buddha. Um, it is not very well known by my understanding, and um, it goes back to a little incident. Uh, buried somewhere in the grouped discourses. The little incidence is the Venerable Ananda visiting the nuns, the nuns' dwelling, and the nuns are telling them, are telling him with, with some confidence that several of them, on the, in the practice of the Satipatthanas of the establishments of mindfulness, uh, have made good progress and experience progressive distinctions in their meditation. Uh, Ananda is pleased, uh, encourages them further, uh, goes on arms round, afterwards meets a little later on the Buddha and tells them about the nuns. And the Buddha says, yes, very good, very good. Uh, It is to be expected of anyone, both monk and nun, and I trust you follow me in this, we can safely assume this doesn't just hold for monks and nuns. Uh, Anyone applying himself or herself to the Satipatthanas 
is likely to experience progressive distinction if they are earnest in their endeavor. And then, and this is the interesting bit, he starts off and says that if someone practices mindfulness of body, it may be the case that on account of the body, either through restlessness or through sluggishness of mind or through a turning of the mind outward, um, he or she may find that it is the practice has become difficult. And we would, this is a commentary now from my side, we would expect at this stage that the Buddha would recommend, like he does on other occasions, recommend more energy, more striving, more earnestness in bringing up um, clearer intentionality or simply more vigor in our approach to ward off the sluggishness or to overcome the restlessness or to um, counteract the distractedness. Instead, the Buddha suggests something completely different. He suggests also, he does not suggest observation which is what we would probably hear in many meditation centers nowadays, simply to observe the arising of restlessness, or simply to observe the arising of sluggishness, or simply to observe the arising of distractibility. The Buddha, interestingly enough, does not suggest either of those. Instead, he suggests that the meditator takes up an inspiring and pleasing image he suggests to take up uh, what he calls a pasadanya nimitta, a pleasing, inspiring image, and to direct the mind to that pleasing and inspiring image. And with that restless, or sluggish, or distracted mind now aiming its attentional focus on a pleasing and inspiring image, the mind becomes gladdened. And with the arising of gladness, some energy comes back, some rapture comes back. With the arising of rapture, some bodily stillness comes back. With the bodily stillness, some happiness arises in the mind. And with the mind becoming increasingly happy, concentration or collectedness of mind becomes easy again. So with the help of that pleasing image, the Buddha continues, the meditator now understands what I wanted to find back my way into, namely into a collectedness of mind. This has happened. I can now stop directing my mind to that pleasing and inspiring image. And I can go back to my former practice, whatever that may be. In his case, he says he can go back and contemplate the four establishments of mindfulness. So the Buddha makes a distinction between a directed form of attention. In this case, it is directed to something pleasing, inspiring, which has to do with my life with my experience, with my mind. Um, 
many things come to mind that could serve as a pleasing and inspiring image for steadying my own mind. Obviously, if you have practiced recollections on the Buddha, then the Buddha may be a suitable um, object of inspiration. But if I'm taking the texts literally, then they say any pleasing and inspiring object may may serve. Do you have such a pleasing and inspiring object which may serve as a fallback when you get sluggish or when you get restless or when you get distracted? Is this something you have on your resource list as meditators? Um, I think that may be a pleasant memory. It may be an inspiring setting. It may be something that warms your heart, preferably something that doesn't uh, give rise to immediate desire. But I find the sutta rather liberal um, in its wording and in its statement that any such inspiring or pleasing nimitta, internal sign, concept, recollection, any such internal nimitta can serve as a practice uh, to steady the mind's collectedness. Once that collectedness of mind has come back, has steadied uh, itself again, we can put down our inspiring nimitta and continue with our usual practice, be that open awareness, be that our Uh, investigative practice of the establishments of mindfulness or whatever we else may do in our practice. Many of you do different things. How would it translate into today's language? I think it would probably translate into something like shuttling. We learn to orient the mind to what vitalizes our capacity for mindfulness. If we notice this capacity drops below a certain threshold, we may choose consciously to shuttle from an investigative practice to a samatha practice, to an object that gives us a steady sense of confidence, that gives us a sense of quiet inspiration. And we have the encouragement to do so right from the suttas, right from the Buddha's mouth. Please consider this and uh, see whether there is something in this which may be applicable to your practice and to your uh, meditative approach. Um, Thank you for your attention.